so we've been talking about supernatural. And we talked about in the very first time I, I started sharing the subject matter is that how you are saved to be supernatural. There's lots of people walking around who are just living ordinary lives, status quo, not worrying really about making a difference, kind of just holding on like that, like that, that picture that many of you have seen, like a cat on a fence post. All right. How you doing? Someone will ask and they'll just say hanging in there. <laughs> I, I don't believe that that's what God's called us to. To barely survive, to barely get through, but but he's not called. But he's, he called us to be supernatural. You were saved to be supernatural. The moment that you were saved, something took place in you. All right, you didn't do as Nicodemus thought about. You didn't enter back into your mother's womb. All right, but there was a spiritual working in you that took you from a person who was destined to death and brought you into life. That's you were saved in a supernatural activity, a supernatural event happened to you. And he wanted you to share that with other people. And we then talked about how living free is supernatural. To think that we could get somebody who would be willing to lay down our lives so that we, with all of our shortcomings and all of our failures, would be able to live. How many of you feel bad about that every once in a while? You think about it. You think about, wow, am I achieving? I, I love that at the end of that, that, that one film where the, those individuals had, had been gi- given their life. It was at, actually at the Saving Private Ryan, all right? And he went back to this grave, and he was, he was sitting there, and he was, he was watching, and, and his whole family was behind him. And, and he was like, did I live a life? Did I live a life of value and of importance for all those people who were willing to lose their lives so that I could live? Think about that for a moment, and then think about the way that we live our lives. God's called us for so much more. Then we talked about how we need to have the power. Our missionary came and said, the power to be supernatural. How many of you know it's important to have supernatural power, all right, flowing through us? And so we're talking about that, and then we talked about how last week he provides more than enough. How many want to be more than enough? More than enough. That's what he is. He's more than enough to be supernatural. So today I want to talk to you. In order to experience a supernatural, you must be willing to do this. Go ahead and put it up there if you would. Work for Jesus. Hold up our sign, right? We'll work for Jesus. Now, I don't mean any kind of disrespect for anybody who has to live this manner way or is living this way or chooses to live this way. But I wonder how many of us are kind of in that place. Going through life, trying to figure some things out, not really feeling fulfilled, and yet just saying, you know what, we're on this team. But how many of us will hold a sign and say, I'm willing to work for Jesus? It's not, it's not silver or gold, maybe even that what I'm, I'm looking for. I'm not lo- looking for handouts, but I'm looking and I'm holding up a sign. I'm saying, I'm willing to work for Jesus. And you know what? I'm willing to go to the file. I'm willing to look deep inside and find out what things could be stopping me from, from achieving and becoming everything that God wants me to be. You see, God has great plans. Look at your neighbor and say, great plans. It's not something small. It's something extraordinary. It's something that's supernatural. He wants to operate through you so that we can be difference makers. i got to be careful. All right? i got some series we're, or some, some things we're going to be talking about in the upcoming uh, weeks and, and months. It's so awesome what God wants to do. But he provides more than enough for us to be supernatural. But we've got to be willing to work for Jesus. Working sometimes is, is challenging. Some people get kind of all stressed out about work, do they not? 
They get stressed out because of the circumstances and situations around them. There was a, a, a case uh, of, a, of a father and a daughter, and they were in a conversation. A father came home from work just before supper, and he was met by his five-year-old daughter on the sidewalk outside his house. The little girl was not smiling, and he said, is something wrong, honey? He asked, and he said, yes. He said, she said, all day long I've been having trouble with your wife. Now, I, I, I'm not meaning anything or disrespect towards ladies here or whatever like that, but you, you see, or I'm trying to utilize that and show you that sometimes we get bent out of shape over the littlest of things, do we not? And see it as somebody else's responsibility or someone else's, in, and we're going to hand that off to somebody. Listen, it is so important for us to realize, all right, we cannot let the affairs of this world stop us, all right, from becoming everything that God wants us to be. You cannot let the things that are not going your way stop you from being an agent, an ambassador of God. He's called us all. He's, look, he's, he's depending upon us all. You are the ones with the privilege of living in this hour. I know there's some people who said that they would have rather lived in the times of Jesus when he's walking upon the face of the earth. I'd rather have been able to see him. I'd rather, you know, those but he's depending upon us who has not yet seen him with our physical eyes and yet still believe. And he says there can be a greater faith in you a greater accomplishment to do things that otherwise could not be done because we're not depending upon what we see. We're depending upon what we know. Listen, the disciples were there. They were seeing with their physical eyes everything about Jesus, and they were still struggling. They still asked questions. He was raised from the dead, and after he's raised from the dead, and he has then ascended, and they took off and were scattered for a little while, right? Think about it. What are we going to do? Oh, he said, go to Jerusalem. He said, go and wait for power from on high. I never want to become a legalistic church. I want people to experience the power of God to transform lives. I believe the word of God gives us standards for how we should live. Holy living, it's called. Ways in which we'll be a blessing. Ways in which we'll receive the blessings of God. There, there's, there's nothing in the word of God that would ever hint for a moment that God is, is just going to tolerate sin. He, he hates sin so much that he, he just can't look upon it. He just turned his head even when it was come, came upon his own son. And even so, he's called us to be the individuals who will proclaim the good news. And let he, the Holy Spirit, work upon people to point out the things that they need to be cleaned up in. Amen? We're fishers of men, right? He's the cleaner. I believe that we have some things that we can do that will really help us to be just leaping into a whole new realm and a whole new level if we will understand what he has made available to us. And sometimes we've got to get to the point where we're willing to measure what we're not doing against what we're supposed to be doing, not so that we feel bad, not so that the legalism starts to settle in, but instead so that we become motivated. Some people have been so beat down by, by not achieving their goals that they feel unmotivated to be go to the next level, the next place. I hope that's not the case for you today. I hope you understand that when, when God himself says be perfect, <laughs> that there was a pretty challenging thing for you to be able to do, Right? Be perfect, even as he is perfect. Well, who's here? Who here is perfect? Not a one of us. But guess what? You are perfect in him. You are perfected in him. Something has taken place in you. 
I love this. J.P. Dorsey shared this on, uh, on uh, the online this last week. And he says, how much like Jesus are we? The answer is pretty simple. How much personal pain can we endure from the hands of others and still genuinely, open-handedly love and care for them? Answer that, and we'll have the answer to the first question, too. How much like Jesus are we? How much am I willing to suffer at the hands of those people who could abuse me, who could take advantage, who could persecute, who probably will, who won't understand, who will falsely accuse? How much do I really want to be like Jesus? How much am I like Jesus? How about, well, I work for Jesus. You see, in order to be a true disciple of Christ, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, we are not just handing out fire insurance. All right? We're just not trying to give you a way to escape the fires of hell. We're trying to enlist you in the greatest force that was ever walked upon the face of the earth. We're trying to enlist you in this great army that will go forth in the name of Jesus and be a force to be reckoned with. We're trying to get you to understand that God's got some great things in store for you. But guess what? you got to sign up to be on the team. you got to say, yeah, I will work for Jesus. It doesn't matter what I have or it doesn't matter what I don't have. The fact of the matter is I am willing to work for Jesus. Amen? Because I want to be like him. I want to be like him. I want to be a difference maker. So my attention is drawn this morning to Luke chapter 9. Go ahead and put that up on the screen if you would. We find this passage. Last week I talked about, about the five loaves and the two fish. And this particular passage happens before that. Right before Jesus is saying, he says, you know what? I looked upon the, the, the crowds and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I had compassion on them, all right? He looked upon them with compassion, and, and, and I, I want to be that person. I want us to be that church that looks at pe- upon people, not down our no- nose, not in a condescending way, not in a way of trying to explain why they are the way they are, but instead, guess what? How, can, how many of you know it's important just to see people where they're at? without trying to figure out and point fingers about uh, how you got there. Listen, in relationship and in the growing up process and the discipleship, pro- discipleship process, we'll have enough time to be able to do that. But the thing is, Jesus sees us right where we're at. So Jesus didn't call us just to save us, but he called us to do just what we find here in this particular uh, passage. So when Jesus had called the 12 together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for the journey. That doesn't sound like very good preparation. (laughs) No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Just holding up a sign and say, working for Jesus. Hello? Isn't that the way that it feels? It's like, Lord, are you sure about this? Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. Oh, come on, that's what I want to do. That's, what, that's, the part, that's the part where there's a breakdown because some people get more excited about that. See, I knew you weren't going to receive this message. I just couldn't wait to shake off my feet. I, I just, I, I mean, I had to go here because guess what? God said I had to go here. I never wanted to come. I knew you'd be rebellious. I knew you wouldn't listen. I knew it. That doesn't sound like much faith, does it? doesn't sound where, like, 
Apostle Paul says, I want to proclaim the gospel because of the power of God and the salvation. But you know what? Some people are just waiting to shake the dust off their feet and to give testimony against them. See, Lord, I, told, I did it. I told them they didn't listen. It's on them now. Do you hear the attitude in that? I'm not saying you got it. I'm just saying it's out there. How many of you know it's out there? It's out there, right? So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Next slide. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed. Because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others that Elijah had appeared. And still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. Don't you love it when you could be doing the ministry and the work of the kingdom and you start to bring a little confusion to the people who are against you? It's like, hold on, I thought I put him down. Hold on, I thought I cut the head of that snake off. Hold on, I thought that this, this whole issue, this whole thing was, was a done deal. I put a stop to that. How many of you think that the enemy's... He's got excited at different times in your life because he's, he's seen things that's happened in your life, and he thought he put a stop to you. And maybe you lived your life in such a manner, way that kind of reinforced that. But I'm telling you today, there's no stop in the kingdom of God. There's no stop in the people of God. There's no stop in the people who will say, you know what, we're working for Jesus We don't have a bag. We don't have a purse. We don't know where we're going to lay our head. We don't know any of those types of things. The only thing we know is that we have been commissioned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, all right? But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. And one of the apostles returned the report to Jesus what they had done, all right? So awesome to think about. And he, it, then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about what? About the kingdom of God. And healed those who needed healing. I know we've already prayed. I feel like I need to pray again. I feel like, I feel like this is such an important word that we as a church need to embrace, that we need to get a hold of, that we need to understand the mission that God has called us to, that you need to get excited about being on this team, about doing this work, about recognizing it's not going to be easy, it's going to get messy, but guess what? It's a whole lot more simpler than what you think. Did you hear what I said? It's a whole lot more simpler than what you think. We make it complicated. We make it difficult when we start to worry and get sidetracked by the very things that he exposes in this. I love the way that it's said here, and I'm going to give you a summarization in uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message. He says this, Jesus now called the 12 and gave them authority and power to deal with all the demons and cure diseases. He commissioned them to preach the good news of God's kingdom and heal the sick. He said, don't load yourselves up with equipment. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. You are the equipment. What? Keep it simple. You are the equipment. And no luxury ends. Get a modest place and be content there until you leave. If you're not welcome, leave town. Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and move on. Commission they left. They traveled from town to town telling the latest news of God, the message, and curing people everywhere they went goes on, talks a little bit more, more about here, but I'm going to go to verse number 10. The apostles returned and reported on what they had done. Jesus took them away off by themselves near the town called Bethsaida, but the crowds got wind of it and followed Jesus graciously, and Jesus graciously welcomed them and talked to them about the kingdom of God. Those who needed healing, he healed. And then from there, you move into the passage that we spoke about last week where he looked at them and he says, all right, you disciples, give them something to eat because they're not going away. They're so hungry 
or the spiritual. They're so hungry for the supernatural, they've lost their common sense. They're not worried about eating. Everybody's got to eat. Not when you're living off the supernatural, amen? (laughs) So here we find in this text, for the first time in Luke's gospel, Jesus finally calls upon his disciples to do something. Up until now, they've primarily been observers. They've, they've, They've been hearers. He's probably taught hundreds of messages at this particular time. There's messages and these methods of things that he's done has probably been played out in their minds and and before their very eyes over and over again. And now he looks at them and he says, guess what? Now you're going to do it. How many of you get scared when you're, you're learning something and then they put the whole responsibility upon you? You know what I'm saying? How many of you can remember teaching your kids how to drive? Now, there's fear that, that happens, right? I mean, let's just all be real with each other, all right? We're talking about a couple thousand pounds of metal, all right, that you're about to put a, a, a child behind, all right? Fourteen years and nine months now they can start to take driver's training. Fourteen years old and nine months, not even 15 years, and they start training them. Well, guess what? I want to start training them a little bit before I put them in the hands of somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And so we went over to the church parking lot. I can remember with Whitney especially, and, and I can remember us, you know, traveling around and, and, and going through some things. And, and there were some light poles that was there, and there were some trees and such like that. But we tried to get everything out of the way. And we, we, we practiced. Wallace is here today. Good to see my son. Yeah. In from Nashville. Good to see you. Did a little bit of the same stuff with him, but we gave him some driving experience, and, and we went in go-karts, and we learned about the gas, learned about the, the, the brake, but as much training as you can give them. How many of you know that when they get behind that wheel, and they're out on the road, and you're standing there next to them, and you can't do anything? You don't have that brake, you know what I'm talking about, that the driver's training has. I don't know why it is that some people think that they get, you know, they, but my, my wife wants to help me driving once in a while, all right? Anyone else have one, a wife like that? It don't matter if she's in the back seat or, the, you know, wherever it is. It, it, it just, she, and she thinks sometimes she grabs that wheel. I said, don't touch the wheel. Well, I didn't think you were awake. I thought you were, you know, sleeping. I, you know, bumping a road. She, she, my, my wife is a, is a sleeper and a prayer, all right? It don't matter where we're going. She's she, she just talking. And she's, oh, Jesus. She's calling out Jesus. You know, we hit a bump on the road. and. And she needs to help me, all right? (laughs) That's the way we feel sometimes with our kids. We need to help them. It's so important for you to realize that there's going to come a point in time where you have to release that child, as we had to all release our children, to drive in this vehicle that could be very detrimental to them if used in a wrong manner and way. But used in the right way, guess what? It's going to get them to places. That's going to allow for them to travel and come and see me, which I like. Amen. <laughs> God has got so many things in store for us. He wants us, though, to grow up. Some disciples never seem to get beyond hearing. They constantly are feeders. They're never farmers. They don't come to church for a meal or I mean, they, they only come to church for a meal, not a mission. I wonder what pastor's got today. I wonder how good the praise and worship is going to be today. I wonder if I'm going to walk out of this place lifted up and, you know, just ready to go. Well, how many of you know that lots of time that's dependent upon us? Dependent upon you, right? 
You see, God's got something for us. His word is true. And we need to get excited, all right? We need to get excited here about this very first thing I want to draw your attention to is this. Gathering leads to sending. The strategy that we're using here at at Central is to to gather, grow, and go to reach all generations. And we've got different ministries and things that are lined up. We give you lots of gathering points. We give you lots of growing opportunities so that we can be going. And you've seen it there in our our, uh, announcements that we are all about go this summer, all right? Because we want to reach all generations. We want to reach all people. When we gather together, it will lead us to sending. That's what Jesus points out here. He says, when the twelve, when Jesus had called the twelve together or to gather, he gave them power and authority and he sent them out. It's the very words of Jesus. The very purpose that he has is that he wants us to gather together so that we can be sent out. Now, you might think, well, why did he have to gather them together? Some people forget that these disciples probably had families. Go back to Capernaum and such like that, and, and, and they're going about it, and they're trying to live life, and, and now they're on a, on a little bit of an apprenticeship, all right? But how many of you know you still got life that's going on? They're trying to take care of families, but, but they're still trying to be true to the call of God. That's just like all of us. Some people think that, you know, that, that Jesus expects for everybody to be irresponsible, He's not calling you to be irresponsible. He wasn't down on Martha, okay, because she was preparing a meal. Somebody had to do the preparations, right? It's about the timing of it. It's about the, it's about the, the emphasis and the, and the priorities. And, and do we recognize when we need to press into him and when we need to take care of some of the other details? We need to do both. Jesus and his disciples spent a great time of together but now he says i'm going to get you together so that i can send you out he wants the disciples to move from being learners to be people who are been trained and sent out the apostles literally mean that they were sent out ones but but the whole idea of being apostles and some people says yeah that's what i'm talking about the 12 were sent out i'm not supposed to be sent out pastor what are you talking about you means being sent out me making a difference (laughs) I believe God wants us all to be people who are intentional about what our mission is. In other words, I'm looking for, I believe the, the, the scriptures reinforce this, that we would have various touch points with people all throughout the week. Now, some people want those things to happen accidentally. I just want to go through life. I want to go and do my job. I want to go and buy gas. I want to go to the groceries. And, and if the Lord brings somebody along my path, then, then maybe I'll go ahead and have a little interaction with them. And that works fine for some people. But listen, let me tell you something. Does that sound supernatural to you? It sounds natural. But God wants us to be supernatural. So I believe that he wants you to understand you are gathered here together today so that I could do my job as a pastor, the biblical thing, to equip you for works of service so you can go out of this place and intentionally make a point of contact with somebody somewhere whose name you know that you didn't know before the beginning of the week. You see, we make it too complex. We make it too complicated. And, 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 and we think sometimes that we want you to come back. Or you think that I want you to come back or God wants you to come back. And you've got 20 names or 20 visitors. Listen, this church would double in no time. We'd have a whole lot more in our army if everybody just set out, one, set out with an, an intention to personally contact, to interconnect with somebody in their life, one per week of somebody that you don't know who you then will get to know 
Listen, it's, it's a relationship, so I'm not going to let go of that. Relationships are important, but the cold call thing can also be really important. God can put you right in the path of somebody that you can make a difference in. I've got a friend. The Lord allowed for me to be able to be used. I shared a little bit about you, but he just called me last night. He says, I'm getting baptized tomorrow, Pastor. My son's getting baptized. My best friend's getting baptized. And he said, it's all because God working through you in a meeting at Wally World. <laughs> Anyone know what Wally World is? That's Walmart, right? Okay. And, and there's some story. He's going to come and tell his story, all right? I, I, I just want you to hear this story about how the Lord can work because I made it in that moment an intention to make a contact, to make a connection. He's gathering us together to send us out so we will have connections with people. But the thing is, he's sending us out with power and authority. Power and authority. Power, that dunamis, that power, the mighty strength, the ability, the capability, the raw power needed to accomplish an action, all right? The authority, what is that? That means that you have the, the, the permission. You have the absolute power. You have something that can be exercised. How many of you know you can have power and not authority or authority and no power? So he gives power and authority. You have the right. Listen, I could be, you know, coming up to a six foot six man, and he's almost, he's over a foot and a half taller than me, all right? No, foot, foot taller than me. There we go. I forget how tall I am. And there's some of you that could look pretty intimidating to me, all right? If I meet you out someplace and, and, and you want to, you know, exercise your will against me or something like that, I got to be thinking about that, all right? But just being big doesn't give you the authority to do what you want to do to me. You know what I'm saying? An officer of the law who is big has also the authority to be able to say, "Uh uh-uh, don't go there, don't do that, or do this or don't do that. It's important that you recognize you've got the power and authority. He has given it to us. To do what? To preach. To preach, to go on a healing mission. The scriptures say this. He gave them power and authority to drive out the demons that cure diseases. He sent them out to preach. Say preach. The kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Amen. Next slide, if you would, please. He, he says, this is what I want you. I want you to be on a preaching and a healing mission. It isn't the disciples' authority. It's a delegated authority from God Almighty that he gives to each and every one of us. Amen? To those disciples, he says, listen, you didn't realize what you had, but I have just given you the power of attorney. Anyone know what that is? That means that he has written, he has made you the legal holder of the decision maker in many decisions here in this realm. That's why he could say to you, pray that things will be on earth as they are in heaven. Because you have given, been given a power of attorney to make a difference in other people's lives. Someone might look at you and say, what are you doing? Why are, why are you being this strong? Why are you being like this, this, this bold? Because Jesus himself has said, I am delegating you. I am commissioning you. I am giving you dominion over the power of darkness. And you have not yet realized that you haven't stepped into the realm of understanding the power that you have. But I want you to wake up today, church. Amen. I want you to wake up, disciples. I want you to understand that you've been endued with power from on high. And you have also been given authority. To make a difference. 
Oh, the day in which the billion believers or so on the face of the earth rises up and recognizes the authority they have. Not to be argumentative, not to be condescending, not to be negative in their way of sharing the gospel and getting ready just to run the other way and, and say, well, I did it. They didn't listen. They don't want anything to do with God. Hey, God, when are you going to get this? When are you going to understand? You got us down here on earth. You know, we're just kind of hanging in there waiting for you to return. And, uh, you know, half this earth doesn't want to hear about you. Why don't you just go ahead and come back and get us all out of here? How much more important it is for us to realize that he wants us. Amen. He wants us instead to be agents of his. To herald, to preach, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I think of an old gospel song that I learned as a, as a child, an old hymn. Some of you can say it with me. Say this, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Now, we could sing the words to that, and we can nostalgically be moved, but after you've sung those words, and maybe you don't sing it as often as you like, I wonder if it would be true that you have a story. How many think that we ought to speak truth? How many of you live in in order for that song to be a reality in your life? This is my story. This is my song. What is it that you're thinking of? Praising my Savior. Come on. All the day long. Oh, I want to tell somebody about it. This is what's my story. This is what happened, right? This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Now, i got to ask you something. What comes to mind when you think about that song? What is the storyline that you have? What is the one that you want to be retelling about? Is it about that buck that you slayed last fall? Hello, is it about that golf score that you got? Then you were, you know, you just were, you didn't even know that you're in their body. I mean, you shot better golf than you could have ever thought of. Amen? You think of that day. Is it when, when somebody gave you something? It's when you got to a certain point in your job where you, where you had achieved or you moved into a certain house. You got a new set of clothes. This is my story. Let me tell you about the deal that I've got. I'm all excited about the deal. I'm all excited about the money that I saved. We get stories about all kinds of things. How about the story about what God Almighty did through you when you became a person who became intentional about making a contact with somebody, amen? How about when you went out on a preaching and healing mission and you began to heal the sick, you began to proclaim the word of God, and all of a sudden you began to hold God at his word, and you said, can I pray for you for a moment? <laughs> You see, he wants you to use your words and your deeds. He wants you to understand that there's so much more for us to do. But here is the deal. And here is what we think about and we fret about. Well, what about the equipment? The next, the next point says this. Listen, he says this. He is to be the equipment for the journey, right? You don't have to be the equipment. 
You don't have to have it all. You just have to be in relationship with the one who does. You just got to be in an ongoing and affluent and a regular relationship that you could say, where I go, he's going. Where he goes, I'm going to go, right? We are one. That's what Jesus said. He says, you've seen me, and so you've seen the Father. And they said, where's the Father? We haven't seen your Father. He is living in me. You've seen God. You've seen the Spirit. You've seen. How has the world seen Jesus through you? Are you working for Jesus? Will you work for Jesus? Jesus tells them to take nothing. Why? Why take nothing? Don't take a purse. Don't take a bag. Don't take sandals. Don't, don't do anything. Jesus gives them a purpose, a training purpose. He wants them to learn how he will be their provider. He'll be their provider. I'm not going to say it's not going to get scary. I'm not going to say that it's not going to take courage. You see, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being fearful, recognizing the true love of God, and where the love of God is, it will cast out what? All fear, and you become courageous. That's what the Word of God says. You have the ability, all right, not because of what you have in your purse, you have the ability to be a difference maker, not because you have a college education. You see, he, he, you have the ability because the spirit of God is within you. If you read some of these texts and some of these other places, you will find, he says, listen, I, I will put the words in your mouth. You worry about what to tell somebody. You worry about what to say to somebody. He says, you are worrying about the wrong thing. You're complicating the issue. How about you just go out and be an agent of mine? You go out and be full of me because you have a relationship with me, and we're going to to make a difference in other people's lives. He said, but I don't have anything to offer them. Neither did Peter. Walked up on the man there at Gate Beautiful. <laughs> Reaches out and says, alms for the poor. And he says, what's he say? Silver and gold have I none. Oh, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. And you know what I've got? I've got the power of God in me. I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. There is something that's working in me that could be working in you and every other person, and you have been, been deemed as the broadcast agents of this assignment. Amen? You've been given the power to go into whatever house that you're there, and, 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 and if it doesn't work, all right, you stay there until you leave that time. You just get excited, all right? You move to my next one, my contentment, all right? Get ahead of me, all right? Hold on for a moment. But here, here's the deal. Go back, if you would, please. He used to be equipped. He told them, take nothing for the journey. Say nothing. Don't take anything. Don't rely upon anything this world has to offer to make you think that, you know what, that's why we're going to be successful. I love the resources that the Lord has given to us. But to tell you the truth, God ought to be able to show up in a miraculous way if we had the worst praise and worship team that ever existed upon the face of the earth. We don't. But some people gauge their ability to receive the word upon how good the praise and worship was. 
We've made statements for years that said, you know what? The praise and worship paves the way for the word. I believe that, all right, because the God inhabits the praises of his people. But we have me- mechanized it to the point to where if it is not sung the right way or something doesn't happen or something gets a little bit out of sync, then we're feeling like, oh, my goodness, I was just flowing in the Holy Spirit, and then they wouldn't mess it up. Can I speak the truth, right? Listen, it's on us. It's on us to realize that we don't need nothing. What you need is the gospel of God. You need the gospel message. You need to understand that you were once lost, but you have now been set free. You've been saved from your sins. And what you get to do is you get to proclaim it to somebody else. And when you proclaim it, it is the ability for other people to to, to resonate within them and say, well, my goodness, he don't look like all that. God will work through that, that all five foot six with heels on, all right? That bald head man, all right? If he could spur some people up, fire them up, if he could tell somebody about Jesus, all right, and they actually believe him and then their life has changed, then maybe he just might use me. Because it's not about my position. It's not about my title. It's not about what I have in my bag. It's not about what car I drive or house I live or clothes I have. It's about what I have in Jesus. Last point is this, contentment with God's provision. Praise team, come uh, if you would, please. Here's the thing. We ache sometimes more about the things that we don't have than celebrate the things that we do. (laughs) So many people will try to line everything up and try to move themselves better and to try to get into better situations. Yeah, those are going to be distributing communion. Get there, if you will, please. You got to get this. You got to understand. How do I say this? The Lord desires to bless you. His favor is upon the people of God. But we have a vast array of people in various both social and economic states in this place right now. I wish I could tell you that he's just waiting to put a million dollars in all of your bank accounts. You can do this step, that step, and, you know, one step right upon the other, and and, and eventually you're going to have a million dollars in your bank account, all right? Two million, five, whatever it is you want. But that's not the way that it works. It, it really doesn't work that way when you show disrespect for what he has provided for you. That's why I praise the Lord in all situations, in all times, in all things. So I say, you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. You don't know how difficult it is. You are exactly right. I may not. But there is one who does. And there's a message that he's given to us. And he says, don't focus upon what you don't have. Focus upon what you do have. If you're invited to go into a house and this is not all the house that you want, God's provided for you this, whatever path it is in life, and it's not everything that you want, then guess what? Don't fret over that. I will begin to praise the Lord in all things. You begin to tell a story about when you didn't have something and all of a sudden God provided that. You're here today. You're living proof that God has provided for you. He's got so many things in store for us. 
There's some people who've had to deal with anger issues towards God. Because to them, it didn't look like he was helping them through some things. But he says this. He says, sometimes my disciples have to endure hardness like a soldier's. That's found there in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, I'm not saying this because I am need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. What am I trying to say to you today? I'm telling you that God has called you. He's gathered us together. He is sending us out with a message. He's giving us the power and the authority. And to many of us are looking at, at, at where we're at and what we have in our purse. We're saying, I need more equipment. I need more. You, What you need is more power of God. Well, I don't, I'm not living in the right house. I'm not driving the right car. I'm not wearing the right clothes. Listen, I need more. I need more. He said, listen, what you need more of is me. What you need more of is passion for me, passion for other people. And when you begin to look with compassion upon people, You start to appreciate the things that you do have. And you begin to make a difference in their lives. Give me that last slide, if you would, please. Luke 9, 6. So they set out. And they went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. In verse 11, we find that they were healed. Amen. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're here for? How many of you want to hold up the sign and say, we're working with Jesus? How many of you want to hold it up, amen? Because it might mean that you have to walk a path that's lonely. One that you don't quite understand why he's taking you down this particular trail. But one if you will trust him. One that will help you to identify with other people been there, who've done that. And you're going to bring inspiration and encouragement to somebody. Ain't none of us perfect. But the fact of the matter is God's not giving up on any of us. We're at the time in the service where we're going to receive Holy Communion. And I thought, Lord, I want you to work. I, I, I say, I want. <laughs> Isn't this crazy? I believe, Lord, that you're laying over my heart because you want to communicate to people, to everyone here, that they could identify those things that become distractions, those things that, that they've looked upon and said, well, I would be a better proponent or agent or ambassador of God if this would take place. And, 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 and I want you to identify what those things are because those things are blocking Now, if it's sin issues, if it's unforgiveness, if it's hatred and anger towards someone, you give it to them. It's not helping you anyway. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to show you what things will become obstacles and distractions so that, guess what, we can go and make a difference. I can't think of any other way in which I believe the Holy Spirit would communicate that as I'm going to hold in my hand in the next few moments the precious symbol of the blood of Jesus in my hand and his bread, the bread that was his body that was broken. And then I want to ask myself the question, will I work for Jesus? And if 
if I will, I'm going to partake of these things. Amen. You're here in this place today and you say, I'm not living for God. I want to live for him. I'm actually pretty messed up, Pastor. I'm telling you there's hope for you. And today, today, right now, in these next few moments, you decide to live for Jesus. You decide to turn your life. It doesn't matter what's going on. He is a loving God, and he wants to receive you right where you're at. He'll work on you. He'll make you what you need to be. So I want you to receive those emblems and hold them in your hand, all right? I want every head and every bow and every eye to be closed. You're here in this place today, and you say, yeah, Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God. I'm willing to get right with God. I, 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 I see him reaching out to me. I, I know I'm away. I haven't made him the Lord of my life. He's not the priority, but I'm asking him to be that way for me right now. Uplifted hand all across this place. Where are you at right now? Say, I'm getting right with God. Is there anybody in this place? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's three, four. Come on, where else? Five. Good, good. God bless you. With a hand down. God bless you. All across this place. Amen. Church, you get excited that people are saying, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Pray this prayer with me, everybody in this place. Heavenly Father, thank you for receiving me just as I am. Thank you for not giving up on me, for giving me eternal life when I deserve death. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and washing me white as snow. I choose to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.